Welcome to The Solution Point, where we talk about solutions for uh, your life, uh, the law, and business. And um, if, if I could ask for a favor, if you're listening uh, or watching on YouTube, go ahead and click the subscribe button, wherever it may be. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and, and click that so, so that way we can, we can uh, get out to more people and, and, and get these solutions out for, for, for more, of, more people to, to, to watch. And uh, to start off, well, let me, let me introduce my, my lovely co-host, Catalina Dickerson. Hi, everybody. Yes, we are excited to add more content. We are doing a great job every week adding some more stuff. So please like and subscribe and share. Let people know that we're here. Also wanting to find out about if you know somebody who has uh, revealed or discovered a solution to a problem that you think you know everyone should know about. So uh, let us know. All right, so our, our guest today is an intellectual property attorney uh, that, that I, I always recommend. Uh, now, intellectual property is patents, trademarks, all kinds of stuff like that, and I'll let him explain a little more. But uh, my good friend, uh, Steve War. Good afternoon. Why, why don't you tell us a little bit about your practice, Steve? So I'm an intellectual property attorney, as you said. I deal with uh, patents, trademarks, copyrights to some degree, trade secrets to some degree, and litigation of all those patents, trademarks, copyrights, and trade secrets. Right. So, so, you know, somebody who's invented something or somebody who's written something, uh, they should come talk to you. Yeah, if somebody's invented some something, they may be interested in getting it patented to stop others from making, using, selling, whatever their invention is in the United States. Right. If somebody has a brand or a trademark that they want to protect, then I could help them protect that. Or if they wrote something, as you said, then we might want to look at a copyright right. and try to stop other people from copying it or using it as a springboard to write something else. Right. And Stephen, is this something that um, you can help people nationwide for, or do you cover a particular service area? No, actually it's worldwide. So oh, anybody, okay. yeah, I have clients in uh, all over the world, Japan and uh, Serbia. And you now if they want a U.S. trademark, then they have to go through a U.S. trademark attorney. Yeah. So yeah, I help people all around the world. Great. Oh, even Mexico. Yeah, I'm even thinking about putting like a little map, a world map on my website and showing where all my different clients are. I thought that'd be interesting. That, that would be good. That would be good. All right, so the name of the show is The Solution Point. So uh, now you're, you're on the hot seat. Why don't you share a, a problem that, that, that you have found a, a solution to that, that you wanna share with, with our listeners and viewers? Yeah, I think I'd like to uh, talk about trademarks. I mean, if you have a brand or a logo and you want people to, to think of, actually, you don't even have to think of a specific company because a trademark is a brand identifier, a uh, identifier of the origin of the services. So even if it's, uh, I mean, say it was a letter A with a red background, even if they don't know which company makes it, if they associate that mark, that logo with a product or a service they purchased in the past, then when they see it on a new service or a new product, they'll say, oh, I like that company before. So even if they don't know the name, it's still a, a brand or a a source indicator. It still shows that it came from somebody that they're associated with. 
Now, are, are there some limits on what can be trademarked? Yeah, there are. I mean, if I had an automobile repair business, I can't call it auto repairs. Right. Because that would basically uh, prevent anybody else from, from describing their auto repair business as auto repairs. So if it's merely descriptive or generic term, they're not going to let you trademark it. Generally, they're not going to let you trademark it. Right. Uh, yeah, and that's one of the important things because a lot of times, uh, uh, from a marketing standpoint, you want the name of your company or your brand to tell what you do, and and so so it's good to know. Well, you if you can't call your your auto shop auto repair, right? Um, but um, what what are some of the other uh, limiting factors? Uh, wh what about geography? Uh, like, could you put, uh, could you use the name of a state or a city or something like that as part of your trademark? Well, there is also a geographic descriptive rejection. Okay. So if somebody, like if you're in New Haven, Connecticut and you called it New Haven Bakery, uh, there's a good chance you're gonna get that rejected also because it's merely a geographical name. Okay. So the biggest one that you run into, or the hardest one to overcome, let me put it that way, is a likelihood of confusion rejection. So if there's one out there that the trademark office believes that it's going to be confusingly similar to the one that you're trying to apply for. So if there's a registered trademark and you've applied for a trademark that the trademark office thinks is confusingly similar, then they're going to reject you. And like I said, that's the hardest one to overcome. There's 13 factors that you have to consider and you have to look at all the 13 factors, figure out what differences are, and then make an argument to the trademark office that you know, this isn't, there's no likelihood of confusion or the likelihood of confusion is minimal because of these 13 factors. Right. So, so I can't come up with the, with the logo that's Coca Coolers in, in red and white. No. Yeah, probably not. They're not going to let wave. that one <laughs> Look like that. Yeah, with a wave on it. And then also there's special considerations for marks that are considered famous. You know, so if, it's a, if it has worldwide recognition and most people are going to understand it, they're going to have more leeway to reject your application if it's close to that. Okay. So while yep. most trademarks associated with a specific service or a specific good, goods, if it's a famous mark, then they're going to get more leeway. Now, your clients that come to you, do you typically find that they've already come to you have to have done research and they've, you know, done, you know, maybe they've even um, know what these 13, you know, types of factors are, or do they come really, uh, do they come to you and just kind of without any knowledge, what, what typically do you find uh, from your clients? It runs the whole gamut, honestly. I mean, sometimes I get people that call me up and they, they have an idea that they want to, register auto repairs. And I explained to them that you're not going to, chances are you're not going to get it. Maybe if you call it Steve's auto repairs, you'd have a better chance, but they probably make you disclaim auto repairs. So, you know, sometimes while I'm on the phone with somebody, I'll do some high level searches to see if there's anything out there that's going to be a, be a uh, likelihood of confusion rejection right off the bat. And then I have other people that have already applied for their trademarks and they might have already gotten through one or two responses to office action successfully, and then they hit a roadblock on something else. And now, then speaking, I have companies that also come to me that, you know, they need help with their trademarks. Right. Speaking of high level checks, 
Um, what would be, and of course you have the, the more specific, you know, checks and, and you're able to have that access, but for that person who's just trying to do some high level research, what would you recommend that they, you know, start out with, you know, on a more, you know, a basic level? Yeah, if they go to the United States Patent and Trademark Office's website, which is USPTO.gov, there's two sections of that. There's a patent section of that and a trademark section of that. Okay. If they select trademarks and I think it's basic search or something along the lines like basic search, they can actually put in the name that they're thinking about wanting a trademark and see what else is out there. If they're more sophisticated, they can also put in the class that they're interested in. So if they're interested in having a trademark for shirts and pants, then they would put in class 25 and do a search in class 25 for whatever the mark is they want. See if anybody else has it for clothing, for example. Okay, great. Very good. Now, okay, cool. Now, so we're now trademark has kind of two components, I think. Uh, and you correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, because I know this is your area, not and and I I refer everybody to you because I know what I don't know. Um, I so, so we've got the name, the the words. And then you also have the whatever the design, the logo, and and whatever that symbol is. Those are two separate trademarks, correct? Or is well, it the could, same thing? They could be separate. They could be together. So if I have a logo and I have War IP Law next to it, I have my choice. I can either try to register the entire thing, the logo and War IP Law PLLC next to it. Or I could register the logo separately from War IP Law, uh, War IP Law PLLC. And that way, if I'm going to use War IP Law PLLC by itself, that's trademark and people can't start copying it. If I'm going to have, I don't know, I write a legal paper or something and I just want my logo on the top, then that would be protected. I actually have it's either seven or eight trademarks for my firm right now for different logos that I want to use or different sayings that I want to use or you know, different slogans, for lack of a better term, that I want to use with my firm. Right. So now, is there a requirement that you've used it to, to be able to, to claim the trademark? Or is well, that like a copyright thing? I, I, I know there's one, one of these IP things is you have to have used it so that you can count that, that, it's, that it's yours. Now you got me a little worried before we talked about the two different areas because there's so many two different areas in trademark <laughs> law. I wasn't quite sure which one you're going with. But one of the two areas is you can either use the mark beforehand and then you would actually be accumulating common law rights in the mark. But then when you file for your federal registration, you would file what's called a 1A application, which is I've already used it in commerce okay. and I'm just getting it registered now. As opposed to if you haven't used it yet, then you would file a 1B application, which is called an intent to use application. And a lot of people file an intent to use application because they don't want to incur the expense and the time of, of using a mark or publicizing a mark, then find out that they can't get it registered. Mm. Now, so if you file a, a 1B application, intent to use application, you basically go through the whole examination process then they publish the mark, see if anybody has any reasons to oppose the registration of the mark. And at that point, if nobody's opposed it, you'll get what's called a notice of allowance. And they'll have six months after the notice of allowance is issued to actually start using the mark, file a statement of use and a specimen of use and pay the trademark office's fee for that. 
If you don't use it within the six months, you can ask for an extension of time for another six months. If you don't use it during that six months, you can ask for another extension of time and you can push it out to three years, basically. Okay. Okay. So that's good to know that those 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 distinctions are out there because a lot of times, you know, people want to use, you know, a trademark or, or, or trade name. Uh, but like you said, they're they're not ready to to get it out in public uh, and get all their stuff uh, printed up and disseminated because they want to make sure that they're they're not going to have issues down the line uh, and that they'll be able to protect it. Exactly. So what, what other, what other things should, should people be considering when they're looking at, at, uh, getting, getting their trademark done? Well, one of the other, I talked about the, uh, the wide range of twos in trademark law. There's also a principal register and a supplemental register, okay. two different registers. So most people usually apply for the principal register. And then if for one reason or another, they can't get on the principal register, sometimes they can move it to the supplemental register and get it registered on that. Being on the supplemental register doesn't have all the rights that you have on the principal register, but it still gives you more rights than you have under common law. Okay, what are some of the distinctions between those three um, levels? Between the supplemental principle, you mean? And common law. Oh, common law, okay. So all in three. common, I'm sorry. All, all three, like, okay. like so in principle, you, you're like, that's, you're, you own it and nobody can do anything. Is that, is that kind of the way it works? Well, let's start with common law. So under okay. common law, if you use a mark, say I'm in Washington, D.C. Suppose I use a mark within Washington, D.C. and I use it with a service or a good. Then under common law, I have rights to use the mark within Washington, D.C. And if somebody else came and start using a confusingly similar mark, I could sue them in Washington, D.C. I couldn't sue them in a federal court because I don't have a federal registration. Okay. Okay. Then if I went to a principal register, so now I filed a trademark application with the U.S. government, the USPTO, as I said before, and I've actually got a federal registration. Now I have rights across the entire United States. So now nobody in California can start using my mark with similar goods or services. I just had the common law rights. Then maybe I'm using it in Washington, D.C. Somebody else is using it in California. Somebody else is using it in Chicago. You know, we all have our little areas that we can protect our mark, but nobody has overall rights in the United States. Mm. And then one of the problems that we run into is if somebody's in one mark in Washington, D.C., for example, and somebody else is using it in California, and then one of those two decides to file for a federal registration, then a conflict arises because somebody may have used it in California and they may have superior rights to it in California than the person that has a federal registration. You know, so there's things like that that go on. And then the, you had asked a bit about the supplemental register too. The supplemental register gives you federal rights through the whole United States, but there are certain limitations on a supplemental register. So if you have a mark on the principal register, after five years, you can file a declaration of incontestability and that limits what people can attack your mark for five years once the declaration of incontestability is approved. So if you are on the supplemental register, you don't have the ability to do that. You mm -hmm. cannot make your, your uh, mark incontestable. But if you've been using it for five years, more than five years on the supplemental register, 
you can reapply to have it put on the principal register. If at that point it gets registered in the principal register, then five years later you can, actually I don't even know if you have to wait five years. I think you do though. But five years after that, you could ask for it to be uh, declared incontestable. It sounds like, I mean, when you're, you're talking all three, sometimes I'm of the mind, you know what, let me just go for the best of the best. Let's just go for that. But it really does seem to make sense to really do it in steps, right? You're gonna, you of course, do your more, um, maybe you start with common law and then you go to a principal and then supplemental. Is that usually how that works or it just depends on their um, geographic reach and I guess the, the financial impact they, they hope to protect? Yeah, I think it really depends on the applicant. I mean, some people have no aspirations to grow so they'll use it in their little common local area and they'll rely on a common law mark. And other people wanna, wanna protect the mark throughout the entire country or they have plans on growing and they don't want somebody else to start using the mark in another state before they get to that state. And then they file a federal registration, an application for a federal registration. So it depends. And I guess a supplemental is, is always the fallback if you don't get the, the principle. Well, it's a fallback in some cases. Mm -hmm. So for example, we talked earlier about the auto repairs. Mm -hmm. Okay, if I had one that was kind of generic, but not completely, and it might acquire distinctiveness through use, then sometimes the trademark office will say I can go to the supplemental register. Mm -hmm. But for something as generic as auto repairs, they're probably never going to let me go to the supplemental register. Right. right. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I guess guess one of the solutions that you're you're proposing is if you have a trademark, whether it's the name of your company or or the name of the product or service, uh, or you've got a logo, uh, it's best to to go ahead and, and take steps to protect it, especially if you're planning to to grow beyond your your primary uh, local area. Yeah, exactly. And also, I mean, you want to protect your reputation. Really, trademarks are all about reputation, about goodwill. So if you have a logo that you've been using and everybody associates it with high service or high quality of goods, and somebody else starts using a similar mark and they have inferior goods, they're going to start attacking your reputation. Your goodwill is going to go down. Right. You know, so you want to protect your goodwill. You want people to, to know whether it's great quality or average quality, you want people to know that when they come to you, that's the quality they should expect. Right. You don't want somebody else undercutting your goodwill. Now, Stephen, we, I don't, you may have seen it. This is our latest issue, hot off the press. We have our Dickerson Digest and we are featuring the solution point in our May issue. But one of the things, the standard things that I've been putting in here and just, just different things, but we've got our crazy but true section and it huh? changes up. We have different stuff. What is like a crazy but true story you can give us about someone trying to apply for a trademark that you're like, this guy or growl is crazy and, and maybe it wasn't rejected and was one was that it was accepted. If you could give us a little... Um, crazy but true. Well, yeah, I'm not going to tell you the mark, but I do have a client <laughs> that's been using a mark I... for like 20 years in common law. You know, then somebody else applied for it and now they're not going to have rights to it across the whole country because they saw down their rights. They're, I mean, they could have applied for it and they would have gotten it easily, but they didn't focus on it. I, I don't know if they didn't know about 
federal registration or not, but they never applied for it. And now they're not going to get it because somebody else has superior rights in, in a bigger area of the country and they applied for it first. Wow. I mean, they'll still be able to use it in their little area because under common law, even if you get a federal registration, if you're the print, the first user, you have superior rights in their little area, but they're not going to be able to grow. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and to be fair, if you have, say I have a common law mark in the Washington DC area, they will give me a little bit of room to expand, but they're not going to give me the whole country under common law. And then one of the other big problems that comes up nowadays is if you're using the mark under common law, but you're using it on the internet, mm -hmm. now you have exposure through the whole country, but you may not have rights through the whole country. Mm. You may only have rights where you've actually physically used the mark. You actually sold goods or services, provided services. So that's a whole area that's coming up now too. Been yes. coming up for a little while now. So, so you know, if you want to protect your, 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 your trademark, you, you want to get it registered. So you want to make sure you, you, you get that done and, and you want to make sure you get it done correctly. Uh, that's something that I always, always say is, uh, you know, do it yourself is, is, is not always the, the, the best way to go unless that's your hobby and you're, you, you, you specialize, you, you, you spend your free time playing with, with whatever do it yourself type of thing is like, if you like plumbing or you do carpentry at your house, that's, that's something that, that you could kind of do a do it yourself, but anything legal, you know, or anything at a professional level, it's real hard to, 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 to have a hobby of, of, uh, registering trademarks. So you, you really, you really need to, to leave it to, to the professionals. And that's something that, that, that I do. And I always recommend to, to my clients, I don't do it. Uh, and I know, I know enough to say, Hey, go talk to Steve. Cause he's gonna, he's gonna set you up. Uh, but I guess that's one of the, one of the solutions is get it, get it registered, while 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 it's early uh because if you do decide to expand you could wind up having missed the boat because you just you know were complacent yeah absolutely the other thing that people should consider is if they try to file a trademark application for themselves or by themselves i mean there are things that can be fixed and there are things that can't be fixed once the application's filed yeah you know and sometimes they just don't know like yeah. you cannot expand the goods that you include in a trademark application. So if you filed in class 25 for shirts and pants, and later on you want to grow to, to also sell hats and shoes under that, you needed to include them all at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And there wouldn't have been any additional fees for it. Right. If you mm -hmm. just put in shirts and pants, and then you want to include shoes and hats, you have to file a whole nother trademark application just to include those two other things. So you can't add things during the prosecution of the application without refiling another application. You can limit it. So it's usually better to, to be more inclusive rather than less inclusive when you file a trademark application. You can always drop them later, but you can't add them later. Right. And so, so some, those are some of the things that, that as a, a trademark attorney, an IP attorney, you already, you kind of know you know, the, the, the different thing, the, the better way to, 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 to approach it. And you can save people a lot of time and, and a lot of headache and money 
from from doing it the wrong way and running against the brick wall and bumping into walls until you find the door. Um, you know, sounds like a party that, that we may have had. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, it, it's important to, to go with somebody who's going to guide you through this, this maze to get you to the other end uh, as quickly and, and uh, with, the least, with the least pain possible. That, that's true. I mean, I've had some clients that applied on their own and then they, they got a rejection and it couldn't be fixed. Yeah. And it was basically, you need to start all over. You need to wait another two or three months. You need to pay the filing fees all over again. Wait another two or three or four months before they examine it again. You know, and they filed a 1B application for an intent to use. And now they're waiting around for another four months before they even know if there's a possibility of getting the mark registered. All right. So as we're as we're winding down our time, uh, it's time to to talk about core values. So, Steve, what what core value do you want to want to share with us today? Core value. I mean, I think my core value through trademarks is if you have a reputation, you want to maintain it. You want to protect it. You don't want other people to be able to besmirch your reputation or wreck your goodwill. And the way to to maintain it and protect it is getting a trademark, a registered trademark. Yeah, and and I guess that also that that kind of applies, and and the way we look at core values is 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 how do they apply in in your in in all of your your life, and so so I can see how how that's an important value in in everything that you do. Um, you know, you always uh, you know strive to to do the the best quality work. Uh, for your clients because of the reputation that, that, that you have uh, and the quality of work that you do. So, you know, that's a, that's a really good core value uh, to, to make sure you protect that reputa reputation and, and you don't have somebody, you know, uh, you know talking bad or, 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 or using your name in a way that, that, that affects your, your reputation. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to me to keep my reputation pristine and have people talk good about me rather than I disappointed them somehow. And I usually try to be as upfront as on and honest as I can. Somebody comes to me with a likelihood of confusion rejection. I say, you know, I can't guarantee this, mm -hmm. but you know, I think we could argue this way or we can argue that way. And there's a chance, Yeah. but I can't give you a guarantee at this point. Right. And I think in your, in your line of practice too, you see a lot of hopeful people and, uh, you know, they are, they're hopeful for, you know, the money that they can generate, they're hopeful for their future. And so when they have their, their hopes and dreams in the hands of someone who also, you know, has that integrity and is in reputation is important, you know, that's, that's really, um, a great combination. And so we appreciate the time that you've given us, Stephen. And, and for sure, I know that we've got a few people, uh, of, you know, some of our folks too have, have been interested in trademarks or to find out how they can expand their businesses. And, and we certainly let them know uh, to reach out to you. And we'll go ahead and uh, put your contact information below. But if you'd like to give us maybe any specific uh, contact information or um, a specific site that you have, uh, if you could let us know about that, and we'll put that in the description as well. Sure, that sounds great. Where, where can if somebody needed to get a hold of you, <clears throat> other than other than reaching out to us and, and us uh, getting their information, you want to share a, a website or an email uh, where where somebody could reach you if they're if they're watching this? Sure, my website is war w a r i p for intellectual property 
law.com. And my phone number, my direct phone number is 202-800-3751. All right. So there you have it. If you have an intellectual property in uh, question, it'll be in the description below. Uh, and he said it nice and slow. So you can punch <laughs> in the numbers while you're, while you're listening, or you could just uh, do it from the description below. Uh, thank you guys again for for uh, watching or listening, however however you're experiencing our show. Uh, please hit the subscribe button. It helps us to be able to uh, get out to more people, and also put click the little bell so you can get reminders as as uh, new uh, videos are are uploaded. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome. Thanks.